So looking here at Ephesians 2, verse 11 and following. Hear the word of the Lord. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at, at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you this morning. Would you speak through me or despite me? In Jesus' name, amen. In the last two weeks, we've started to take a look at this book of Ephesians. Uh, we've read from Paul's introduction to the grand story that is unfolding, that God is telling. God is the, the primary author, but also primary actor in this story. And in this story, God is bringing all things under the reign of Christ. And while this primarily has been about God's story... We talked the other week about how we are invited into this story, invited to be a part of this story. The last two weeks, we've kind of focused on the good news of personal salvation, how each of us individually has been dead but has an opportunity to be made alive. We've been walking around in this pattern of death, and a little bit of what you're talking about is this pattern of death that people can be released from um, by having fresh water, by having good news, by finding education or getting education. So we've been walking around in this pattern of death. This doesn't happen because of something we do on our own in order to earn something, but because of God's, at God's core, He is love. And we're raised with Christ not by works, but for the good works God created us for. And so Paul has been uh, talking primarily at the intro of Ephesians about this vertical relationship, about us and God and how we can be reconciled to God, made right with God through Jesus. And this is good news, part of the good news. And now Paul moves on to other aspects of the gospel. See, the good news of Jesus includes those uh, redemptive benefits, what we call salvation, that we are reconciled with God. But the good news of Jesus' death, life, resurrection, ascension, has more to it also. Sometimes we don't have a big enough imagination 
for what the gospel is all about. One of the most iconic barriers, things that separates people in the last century was the, the Berlin Wall. It began as a fortified fence in 1961. It eventually became a concrete wall with anti-vehicle pits, armed guard houses, and armed guards patrolled. It became a symbol of the division between communist East Germany and Berlin versus West Democratic Germany, Berlin. It was a visible, tangible reminder of the division that existed not only in Germany, but in, in Europe and across the world. Paul talks about the good news, including reconciling people who were formerly hostile towards one another. And in Paul's world, one of the, the, the two groups that were often at odds with one another that re reflected this were Jews and Gentiles. There weren't too many groups that were more at odds and hostile towards one another. The Old Testament had all kinds of laws about the Jewish people keeping themselves pure from the corrupt world around them. They had fought wars between the Jews and Gentiles. The, the Jews had fought wars against the Greeks. Uh, they had fought wars against the Romans. And within a short time after Paul's writing, the Romans came into Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, destroyed much of the city to put down a Jewish revolt. Paul writes Ephesians primarily to a Gentile audience. And he says at the very beginning of this verse 11 that we read, Remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcision by those called circumcision. There, this is a Jew put down, looking around at these Gentiles, these different, filthy people, and calling them names, you uncircumcised folks. See, the Jews thought they were a cut above everyone else because of their circumcision. In verse 12, Paul says, remember that you were at one time without Christ. That's without a Messiah. Being aliens from the, the commonwealth of Israel, not a part of the chosen people. They were strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So the Gentiles weren't privy to the knowledge of the Torah. They didn't know all the commandments. They didn't know all the, all the covenants. And Paul says you're without God, which is really interesting to me because in the ancient Greek and Roman world, they had gods everywhere, gods galore. And if they found out there was a new god, they just kind of added it in with everyone else. But what Paul's saying here is you don't know the real God. You didn't have access to the one true God that could do something, that could change something. Paul says, but now in Christ Jesus, that is the Messiah, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul goes on to say, He is our peace. In His flesh, He has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that we might create in Himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. Sometimes we miss what Paul's saying here because we're centuries removed from this Jewish-Gentile arguing and fighting. This is a shocking statement here by Paul. 
saying that these two groups are being made one. This is a major issue that threatens the unity of the early church. This is a passionate and divisive issue that they're arguing about with one another. Paul spills all kinds of ink in Romans and Colossians and elsewhere to discuss this topic. The first church council meets in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15 to hash it out, to sit together and argue and debate and uh, what we call in the church discern. Coming together to figure out their life together. This is a hot topic. Jews usually had nothing to do with Gentiles. They had codes about not eating with Gentiles. Gentiles were physically separated from Jewish worshipers in the temple in Jerusalem. The Gentiles were allowed in so far, which wasn't very far. The Jewish women could go in a little bit closer, and the Jewish men could go in a little bit closer, and the the Levites and priests could get a little closer, and the, the high priest could get really close once a year. Paul's saying these walls, these things that have divided us for so long are being taken away by Jesus. Past all of these laws, they had clothing laws, haircutting, dietary restrictions that differentiated Torah-observant Jews from the Gentiles who didn't have the Torah. They didn't have the laws. Past all of this was the whole circumcision thing. Jews just had more flesh in the game when it came to following God. Yet Paul is making a shocking claim that Jesus is doing away with these old dividing walls. Verse 15 says, He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that He might create in Himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross thus putting to death that hostility through it. Paul is saying these two groups are becoming one. But Paul is thoroughly Jewish. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knows the law. He knows the covenant. He knows that Genesis 12, 1 to 3 was the covenant given to Abraham, to Abram. And it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Paul is saying, This is coming true. This is coming true. In Jesus, the covenant is finding its completion. God chose to work through the people of Israel to bring the Messiah, and now the Messiah, Jesus, is breaking down this barrier and these walls that divide. And God is making a new humanity. Elsewhere, Paul writes, a new creation. And where Paul says that Jesus is our peace, he has in, in, in mind this idea of shalom. Shalom is is wholeness, is is working. It's it's more than just our word for peace. Sometimes when we talk about peace, we talk about there's just no conflict. My kids argue sometimes. Fun thing that happens in parenting. And sometimes I'm okay with there just not being conflict. You don't touch him. 
Don't look at him. Don't, you know, just part ways. That's the absence of conflict. And sometimes I'll settle for that. But that is not shalom. That is not wholeness. What's a lot better than that is when we are engaged as a family, we are loving each other, we are interacting in positive, uh, healthful ways, and life is so much better than just when there's an absence of conflict. This is what I think Paul has in mind, this reconciliation between one another. For Paul, the good news of Jesus also has to include the reconciliation of people. Paul spends so much time and energy, and I'm sure has more than a few headaches, trying to get Jews and Gentiles to recognize and live out this new humanity. So what does this mean for us? Because we're removed from this Jewish-Gentile arguing. Look around our world. We have plenty of walls dividing us today. Our politics, the polarization of ideologies, it's no longer that if you agree with me, you're, you're wrong. If you disagree with me, you're evil now. And we demonize other people that don't see the world the same way we do. And we post memes on social media demonizing folks. When the Berlin Wall was finally brought down, it, it brought reunification to the people of Germany, not as East Germany and West Germany, but simply as one country, one people. When Jesus tore down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile, it wasn't any longer about Jew versus Gentile. And Paul writes in, in other places that it's not about slave versus free. It's not our nationality that matters. It's not male versus female. If Paul were writing today, he probably wouldn't care if we were a Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Libertarian, Independent, whatever. There's something so much more important that unites us, that brings us together. God is making one new humanity, one new creation under the lordship of Jesus, the Messiah. And if we're honest, sometimes in the church, we still have walls that divide us. We separate ourselves from us versus them. But Paul goes on at the beginning of chapter 3 in Ephesians to do something I, I think is kind of crazy. He talks about his calling to bring good news to the Gentiles, how God is revealing his mysteries, his plan to bring all things under Christ. He says that the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and shares in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And then in Ephesians 3.10, Paul points to the church. He says, so that through the church, the wisdom of God and its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Paul looks to the church to say, here's how God's revealing his wisdom. These people that should have nothing in common, these people that have been Jew versus Gentile that have fought, and I don't mean just like they had an argument, they had a, a verbal spat. No, these people have like raised weapons against one another and killed one another. And now they're being brought together under the lordship 
of Jesus. Paul appeals to the unity of diverse people in the church in revealing the wisdom of God. The unity of church despite their differences, despite nationality or background is a sign of the kingdom of God. Jesus prays something very similar in John 17. He says, I ask not only on behalf of these, the disciples, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. People should see the unity of those following Jesus so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Unity and working through our differences, coming together is a, is a huge deal. It's big. We're talking in Sunday school about discerning scripture together, reading Living together, wrestling with hard issues together in unity so that the world may know. Look, every family has their stuff. My extended family, we've got disagreements and arguments and we've got opinions and sometimes those threaten to to separate us. And every family of faith has their stuff. Their, their baggage, their squabbles, their disagreements. We don't always see eye to eye on everything. But church, the love of God, and so that the world may know, we've got to figure this out. Christ himself is our peace, bringing together groups that have been hostile toward one another. And this is part of the gospel. If Jews and Gentiles who were arguing, fighting, killing one another, they detested one another, if, if they can start to figure it out, if they can come together, following Jesus together, worshiping together, caring for one another, caring for those around them, if Jews and Gentiles in the first century can figure it out, man, we should be making steps toward one another toward uniting together, following Jesus together. Stop fighting fights with one another for the sake of the gospel. They came together as one body, building one temple with Christ as the foundation. We need to embody the gospel of peace and reconciliation with one another. Let's start in the church. Let it grow into our community together. May it be so. Praise team, would you come as we close?